I remember at two weeks ago at Springfield Mile, the first day we're running a distant third, and a third place for us is is a great a great day. And he crossed the finish line in third podium. That that's cool, Springfield Mile. And I literally just could not wait to go back to the pits, flip that bike upside down, change it all over, and I want to do over right now. And I can like tomorrow can't come fast enough. And Jeffrey's like, dude, relax, enjoy this for five minutes before you get back to work. Episode 3-2, Tanks Lapping Podcast. Every week, we're here, back at it. Sneaky Sam on the other side. How are you, bro? Good, man. I'm doing real good. I, uh, what's up with it? Uh, calling out the numbers on 3-2? That's a little different. Yeah, I got to mix it up. Like I said, every every week we do the same <laughs> shit. So I'm trying to mix up the intro a little. I don't want people to get bored with uh, what, we're, what we're doing here. All right. <laughs> <laughs> but 32, 32, man. We're, we're at it again. And... Stoke, dude. Tonight's guest. We'll get into that first off, but uh, we got Brian Bigelow coming on the show. Brian is a national winner in the, uh, I was going to say the Camel Pro Series, but he's not that old. He won, he won it when it was the Progressive Insurance Series, which it's back again. So talk about that a little bit too. But yeah, Brian Bigelow is coming on the show. He's a really well-known national number holder for many, many years, national number 11. He actually won a Super Tracker Championship with my dad, actually. That's and right. He, if you listen to any of our past shows from uh, early on, we would ask the guys that are our guests on the show, we'd say, who who is the guy that you least like to race with? And many of them said Brian Bigelow. So we'll get Brian on here to defend himself, possibly. Uh, what do you know about Bigelow, Sammy? Oh, man, uh, pretty much uh, everything you just said. I mean, uh, I know he was a really fast amateur. Um, and then, uh, you know, uh, national number holder for quite a long time. I always... You know, he always had top-notch stuff, man. His motorcycles always look primo, super, super nice. So, um, yeah. And, you know, his his, uh, his record speaks for itself. You know, he was a contender uh, just about everywhere you went. And, oh, Corey's holding up a number plate right now, Bigelow number plate. That is pretty sweet, man. Do uh, Corey. To Corey, uh, Brian Bigelow, Progressive yeah, Insurance, number 11. I, so. I'm a sucker for, for dirt track memorabilia, so <laughs> I'm jealous already. Yeah. Actually, you know what? I had a Bigelow number plate once, but I used it. <laughs> oh, okay. You used I, it. I, I, yeah, I, 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 it was a sticker. I needed it for the for the left side of, of a, you know exhaust on a Harley, so I, I stuck okay. it. I'll, I'll throw a picture up, and you can see it's Bigelow's 11. <laughs> yeah, we go way back, me and Brian. I mean, he rode for my dad, so early 2000s or late 90s. I guess it was early 2000s. He spent a lot of time at my house here hanging out. I was just a young buck and used to kind of ride around the fields together and things like that. So got to spend a lot of time with Brian. And, uh, yeah, a lot of respect for him, man. He's he's uh, he's one of my guys. Uh, don't get to chat as much as we used to. He's pretty busy with his program and He's out of Michigan. I'm out of Pennsylvania, but I'm excited to have him on and kind of chat with him about his career a little bit. Um, so we got that coming on later in the show. want to thank our sponsors that make this show happen week in and week out. Make sure, you, if you guys can, send these guys a thank you and support them because our podcast is free. You know, We don't obviously charge for, for the podcast, and these sponsors make it happen for you guys to listen to every week and make it happen for us. So make sure you send them a thank you note and, uh, for supporting the podcast. It goes a long way to keep this show going. Bell Power Sports, check out bellhelmets.com to view their full line of products. The quality and safety of these helmets, uh, they're unmatched. I mean, it's they're great quality helmets. They 
top of the line stuff. If you start tank slapping, you want to be protected by Bell. Roof Systems of Dallas, Texas, Jerry Stinchfield. CommercialRoofSystems.net with nearly 40 years of experience. Jerry does it all. Anything to do with roofing, contact Jerry Stinchfield on Facebook. Let him know that uh, you appreciate his support for our sport. Dunlop Tires. If you uh, want to find where you can get Dunlop Tires nearest to you, your nearest dealer, visit DunlopMotorcycleTires.com. Also, hit them up on social media. Tell them, tell them the boys from Tank and sent you. And we want to shout out Moto America. Moto America is one of our biggest supporters. They had a race this past weekend at New Jersey Motorsports Park. My boy Brandon Posh just missed out on a win. I think it was like .01 or something. It was photo finish. So it's really exciting stuff there. Cam Bobier dominated once again. And Rocco Landers and all those guys had good weekends. So I'm a big fan of Moto America. And let's keep growing road racing in America. I think it's important for, for what we have going on in flat track. I think they coexist very well. So check out MotoAmerica.com. The next event is Barber in Alabama this coming weekend, 18th to 20th. You can get tickets on MotoAmerica.com. And if you can't make the event, check out Live Superbike on Fox Sports Saturday and Sunday and Live Supersport, which is the 600 class, on MAV-TV Saturday and Sunday as well. And all the action, all day long, both days, Moto America Live Plus. You can buy that on the website. Really affordable price. I don't remember offhand what it is, but I'm a cheap ass, and I shelled out the credit card pretty quick. Usually I got to... Yeah, if there's a gas station a mile down the street that's two two cents less, I'm driving there. So <laughs> these are yeah. facts, people. These are it, facts. <laughs> it's affordable. Every dirt tracker is so cheap. It's such cheap asses. Like we'll buy fifty thousand dollar bikes and then we we're like so cheap when it comes to anything else. But yeah, yeah, really affordable stuff. And uh, Moto America is doing a lot of great things with their social media and stuff like that. So make sure you check them out. But Williams Grove, boys, let's bring Carter on, too. Let's let's talk about the uh, Williams Grove weekend. Carter, any thoughts that stand out to you off the, off the tip of your tongue or what, what are you what are you thinking i'm, I'm not gonna have a ton of input on this uh on this this one this week because I, I missed friday races completely uh yeah I, i'm that guy i totally missed friday um and i i tuned in saturday i don't know it was was fr- would, were the two days different for you guys because I, I wasn't thrilled by the racing on saturday <laughs> just just my two cents uh well if there was two, if there was one of two days to watch, I would say Saturday would have been a better race to watch, just yeah. because I think the track was in, you know, uh, much better condition. It was probably the track we should have started with on Friday night. Um, what's your take, Corey? You're the guy that actually rode around the place. Yeah, I mean, I don't think the track was great either day, to be honest. I thought day one Friday was more consistent. It, it got a groove. The groove was slick, but at least there was some consistency there. Day two, when we started, I was hopeful because there was a lot of grip and it was, it looked like it was going to be really good. And then it got got kind of like a dry, non-groove clay track. Like it didn't groove up, but it was dry and it was hard to figure out your lines and you're bouncing around everywhere. There were some holes, so yeah, it was a very technical racetrack. I mean, I um, I didn't love it either day. You know, I I didn't really like it, but I I went there to try and win both days and I came up short, but. I felt I felt more motivated this weekend going into it. I was a lot more confident and just um, yeah, just wasn't able to pull off a win. But as far as the track goes, eh, it was better last year. But I mean, these Pennsylvania car tracks are tough. I mean, so it's you never know what you're gonna get. You could race there ten times and you get ten different tracks, Carter. I mean, it's uh, yeah, it's it's one of them deals. But 
the racing was pretty good so that was good for the fans at least i definitely enjoy watching yeah. watching the half mile racing on the wider tracks for sure because uh, you guys can get a little bit more racy but i don't know it just seemed like you guys were a lot i mean all three classes kind of seemed like they, they got pretty spread out you know as the main event went on too um so i don't know i, I on a half mile i love the tighter <laughs> racing but but yeah, I mean, it's always uh, it's good to see. Well, the singles was kind of close it was. both days. I mean, yeah. the second day, <clears throat> I thought Trent Lowe was gonna make something of the race. I actually thought he was gonna maybe, because Trent's really good on those shitty racetracks. Uh, I thought <laughs> he was gonna run down Dallas and and make something of it. But Dallas controlled the gap the whole time and pulled off the win. Good for him and his points. He uh, he's doing really well after missing the first round of Volusia. He's he's a points leader. And then yeah, in our class, it was really hard to do anything with James, man. I I, I don't know. I was really hopeful. I um I won the semi the first day by a, a pretty big margin. I passed him and pulled away and whatever his team was able to figure out the rest of the day. And then the next day, it was just hard for me to match. I mean, I, uh, I yeah, it was frustrating because I felt like I rode pretty well and we just couldn't get the bike to hook up as well as they were i mean they were just dialed in so they have a really good team and you know i just think uh i think their team is just very well put together this year and james is riding good and he's confident so yeah james did well sammy yeah you know you got to give you know credits due where credits due and i mean they really got uh, a program that's working really well right now and and man they're making it tough on everybody but there's you know there it seems like there's uh a lot of different players in in, uh, in the production twins class, you know, I mean, you got Lau in there mixing it up. I mean, uh, you know, coast is uh, up there too. I mean, there's, there's, you know, uh, Danny Eslick. I mean, you know, I know he didn't have the best night, but he's been kind of putting his wheel up there a little bit too. So um, it, it's a tough class this year amongst the, you know, front runners for sure. As far as like, you know, as you guys know, uh, I, I spin wrenches for Ryan Barnes. So uh, it was a, you know, a tough weekend for us. He, he blew up uh, a motorcycle on Saturday night and had to ride a backup, backup, backup motorcycle. And, but uh, and, and in fact, you guys kind of came uh, across the finish line pretty much together. You got him back, Corey. <laughs> so, yeah. 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 So you got what two seconds on the weekend. Ryan got two thirds and, uh, and James smoked everybody again. So I don't know, man, Pennsylvania boys got to step it up. Come Texas time. Yeah, and we actually switched bikes too from the first day to the second day. Just, um, just yeah, for whatever reasons, we just we switched bikes, and I was a little bit more. Uh, I felt a little bit better on the bike we rode Friday night, but um, we we're yeah able to get a second. We we struggled a little bit Saturday, but yeah, the lappers made things interesting, man. I I, I really couldn't. I was losing a lot of grip there toward the end of the race. The the drier the track got, the more I was starting to struggle. So. I, I kind of knew he was back there. I was, um, I was hoping he'd wear himself out, <laughs> and I'd be able to kind of, kind of pull away there at the end. But he was able to stick with me. And I, on tracks like that, when whenever you're chasing somebody, it's easier to kind of run it a little harder and see what lines, you, you know, you can make up time. And I heard him going like lower in turns one and two, so I kind of adjusted that a little bit and started coming off the corner lower. And then yeah, the lappers, you know, I slowed up. I slowed up way too much you know, the lappers were coming up quick and he poked the wheel in and I said, oh man, there's no fucking way I'm, I'm losing second. So I, I, I stuck her back in there and then, yeah, I was just going to pin it. And if I had, to, I was already pissed off because the, they, they showed the blue flag to the lappers every there's front straightaway and back straightaway. There's a blue flag and the lappers just clearly just ignored. They don't give a shit about the, about the leaders. I'm going to, 
race for 25th place right now and um it, it was just like one of those deals where i was super angry i was going to take out handlebars going across the finish line if i had to 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 get yeah, second you guys, but you guys all went across the finish line like four <laughs> wide yeah yeah <laughs> you, ryan and two lappers <laughs> yeah i had my elbows up I, I was ready to whatever it took i was i was pretty angry visibly after the race because that's just not it's not courteous to do man like i've been in that position where i've been lapped and and I know two laps before I get lapped, I'm going to get lapped. And I just get the hell out of the way. Like, don't be that guy where you're going to ruin the race for the leaders or, you know, somebody on the podium. You know, don't don't be that guy that's going to control the outcome of the race as you're getting lapped. Like, that's that's just shitty. I don't know. It just bums me out. I, I get annoyed with Supercross guys, too, when that happens. But, um, yeah, so that was that was me. I mean, I, I show a lot of emotion sometimes and that, that was irritating. So. <laughs> uh, yeah. Like I said, I didn't know who were I was watching coming off of turn four and I was like, man, that looked like a, from where I was, that was like the, a four way tie between two lappers, you and Ryan. So, uh, nothing personal at, toward it. Oh no, yeah. Then I looked yeah, at five time just, and I was like, Oh, Corey got him. <laughs> but, yeah, uh, yeah. 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 How about, Hey, switching gears. How about super twins? That's, I mean, that's, I, was gonna uh, say, I, yeah. I know Briar smoked them, but I think, uh, I got to talk about Dan Bromley, man. I think that was his best finish, and uh, he backed it up two days in a row. Brom- yeah, he did well. Carter, what do you what are your Bromley thoughts? looking strong, man. There's and Fisher was up there too. I mean, Fisher looked good, uh, and you know I'm excited that Carver's up there in the mix too. The past couple of races, uh, getting a couple of podiums. Um, it's been interesting to watch that Super Twins, and I think a couple episodes ago, I, I might have heard Corey Texter actually say, "Don't count Briar out," and uh, sure enough, he's back on. Uh, Back on a streak here with uh with the points lead as well. Yeah, he dominated. He was on a he he was on a different planet. He was just gone, one by a straightway, and looked like he was just cruising around there. Um, so yeah. Um, who else? Oh, Jake came. Your boy back, Jake huh? in the Jake mix. Thompson, yeah, your boy man. Jake's in the mix again. This <laughs> Corey. <laughs> yeah, he he did well, man. I mean, he did about what I thought. I mean, a, a podium wouldn't have, it wouldn't have surprised me. I think a third could have been possible on the first day. Um. I think he's probably racing his way back in the shape a little bit because he hasn't been, you know, racing or riding a heck of a lot. So I think it might take him a couple of races to to get some fitness back. But, um, yeah, Jake did awesome. And as far as Bromley goes, I was actually impressed. I thought Bromley rode really well. So um, back-to-back nights, two fifth-place finishes. It seemed like a lot of guys – I mean, it was hard for guys to repeat Friday night into Saturday night. You know, Brandon Robinson did really well Friday. Ryan Wells had a podium Friday. And then those guys, like Wells didn't even make the final on Saturday, and Brandon finished. I don't know what Brandon even finished. He was pretty far back there. And then vice versa, Carver, he didn't really have a very good night Friday. He was able to get up there on Saturday. So a lot of guys kind of flip-flopped the results. So for Briar to get two wins and James to get two wins, if you're able to get be consistent both nights, Dallas, I think, got a second and a first. So, yeah, it was um, – do you think it was, it was good it to was, kind of be consistent? Do you think it was the track? Is that why the 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 results were so different between the two days, or like what do you think? Of, it was definitely different. Yeah. Like I said, the second day was dry, and like you had to ride it differently. The first day you could kind of chase the moisture a little bit. Yeah. Um, so maybe the racetrack. I mean, dude, it's competitive, man. It's yeah. um, you miss the setup, you change the gearing a little bit, it could throw you off a lot. So I mean, uh yeah racing's tough bro this is a hard sport so one thing that uh guys definitely stepped up one thing that remains the same across the two days is that those indian ftr 750s are <laughs> leading oh that's a that's yeah, even more so that's an indian true like when it's not a fast groove the other brands don't really stand a chance i mean if it's skittery or slick the indians yep. are just the bike to go to and 
and Briar just he's so good there. It's it's um it's crazy. He's so much faster than everybody at that racetrack. So a, a lot of racetracks now. I mean, it's yeah. I I would not want to race that guy. I know I've said it before, but man, the stuff he does on a bike is it's Ricky Graham shit, man. It's stuff you haven't seen in a long time. So it's pretty he, cool he to was, watch. He was on cruise. It looked like, I mean, he was. It was like effortless. You know, he was just cruising. And, it, you know, I mean, he was just on cruise control. And, you know, you look at his lap times and it's like just stretching out the lead, stretching out the lead. It's like, holy crap. <laughs> it's insane. But, uh, he's definitely, you know, especially when you put that kind of distance on the talent that's behind him, you he's, know. He's definitely got me's flustered. I don't know if that's just me, but he, he seems like he's a little flustered. I'll tell you who's flustered, I think. J.D. Beach. That guy's been having a rough year with some mechanicals, yeah. unfortunately. Yeah. yeah, I feel bad for JD. I mean, he's a really good rider, and they're just struggling. And he puts in a lot of work. So yeah, uh, I definitely want that. I want. I, I, I want to see him and Colby do do a little bit better, man. I it's they put a lot of effort into that program. So it's yeah, I just don't. Yeah, they're just they're just undermatched. Uh, that bike's undermatched compared to the uh, compared to the Indian. I don't know if there's a heck of a lot they can do. I mean, I think they would have tried it by now. They got a really good budget and a lot of a lot of uh, people under that tent and. It's it's probably frustrating. I mean, I'm frustrated a little bit with what I have going on, so I can't imagine them too. I mean, I'm sure there's some frustration there, but um, yeah, it was it's good. Not, man. That, that, yeah, yeah, go ahead. You say? I was gonna say it's oh, not for lack gonna, of effort. No, yeah, that's that's yeah, that's for sure. Um, I was just gonna mention that Dallas took took over the points lead. I think I mentioned it, but uh, Henry was the points leader coming in. Dallas is the points leader coming out. So um, I don't know, man. I, not a not a super good weekend for the. Uh, Richie Morris team, I you know I don't seem like they're struggling a little bit, but um, I don't know, the, the 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 talent looked really good in the pit though, so that was cool. I mean, that's one thing they had going for them. So I'm not even gonna touch that one, Sammy. That's all you, brother. Huh? Nothing. <laughs> what? I don't know. I just I don't, I don't really have a follow up for that. <laughs> I I don't know. I just you have off weekends, but I mean. I don't know. He's pretty chirpy before we went into this weekend, so I don't know. I just have to bust out some old photos uh, from 2007, I guess. But you, uh, you haven't gotten the green yeah. light. You haven't gotten the green light to throw a leg over a singles yet. Singles. Me? Yeah, nah, dude. I don't know if I would have liked it on that track. I I thought the track would have been different. I yeah. I don't. I mean, that wouldn't have been bad. I I think I would have did all right. But um, yeah, I don't know. I guess I just I suck on singles apparently. So I don't know. But. Yeah, it was it was good racing, man. It was it was exciting. It was cool to race in front of the hometown fans and saw a lot of people in the in the stands that I knew and that was awesome. I saw like a guy he's like was my one of my dad's best friends growing like uh, like when we worked at the shop and stuff and he used to come with us to all the races as an as an amateur. His name's Rich Meisenbach and he was like our guy for so many years and I looked up in the stands. I haven't I don't see him much and he was sitting in the stands the first night, so that was cool and Got to see Kenny Yoder and Randy Shang and just like a lot of the people oh, I don't see very often. So that was, so that was really how, cool, man. How did you have the time to see all those guys? Because you know the way it is now, you you don't get to see anybody. You're locked in the paddock. So would you spot yeah. those guys in the grandstand? They were over um, infield, so I got to uh, walk over and at the fence at the fence line and just say hi to them because I had a lot of family there and they couldn't get in. So I'd go over the fence line and and say hi and. Um, it was actually kind of crazy. There was a little kid behind my family. He was standing there. He had a T-shirt and a marker, and I kept glancing at him, and uh, he was just kind of being shy and whatever. So I was like, hey, man, you want me to sign your shirt? And he's like, yeah, that'd be awesome. This is my first race. And I was like, oh, cool, bro. I was like, give me your shirt for a second. So I took his shirt, I took his shirt and I walked it around the pits, 
um, since the fans can, can't come into the track and get autographs, I, I walked around and got about a dozen guys to sign his T-shirt. And uh, every time, every time I'd look over at the fence, he was over there standing and giving me thumbs up and yelling thank you. So he was stoked, man. It was just uh, it's it really cool to. I don't know. It's tough this year to for fans to to make it memorable. So I was. It's just cool to, you know, I had a you know I got a second, but it, I was kind of bummed on the on the result. But to kind of like to do stuff like that and get the fans happy and excited, it, it was just uh, really cool. So, well, um, you know, you got your good guy or good deed points in for the weekend on that one for sure, Corey. That's really cool. <laughs> That's really cool. Uh, well, it's good do. for the sport, man. Just good like to get these fans to come back, trying to establish rider fan relation and just to, you know, like have them want to come back, like try and make that relationship happen and keep growing the sport. So, um, yeah, no, it's, it's, it was cool, man. It was cool to see his smile all, all night long. Then as I, I walked by the fence, he was there just chilling. So, so that was cool. But yeah. Uh, anything else? Williams Grove boys? Uh, I don't know. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I think that's about. Trying to think. Trying to think. about trying it. I, I don't know. Uh, I mean, not to bring up Bromley again, but did you guys know he crashed after the main event on Friday? <laughs> I didn't know that till today. I think somebody mentioned <laughs> I didn't it know that until like, just oh, now. Shit, really? Or maybe it was yesterday. Yeah. How did he, he do crashed? that? I don't know how he did it, but I guess I don't know. He went into one. I, I was. I didn't see it and uh, maybe got up in the marbles. I don't know what. And he hit the air fence and then uh, kind of jacked up, jacked up the motorcycle a little bit. Uh, they had to go home and do some welding on it. And I don't know. I mean, they, they pretty, they, they did a number on it. Yeah. That sucks. Cause those bikes are expensive. <laughs> yeah. I remember, remember when Davis Larry looped out at Sturgis, dude, it was like, Ooh. it was like a $10,000 <laughs> bill to fix that thing. I'm sure. I mean, it was like, <laughs> That's expensive, bro. Yeah. That was a bad one. I didn't see that. I was bummed Bronson broke on uh he broke on um Saturday. I was bummed for that. What did Carter say? <laughs> I just said crash. He's over here throwing I jabs. Said, I'm not even, yeah. even going to say it. <laughs> uh, he's mixing up the, the – he's stirring the pot right now. Uh, that's what I love uh, to do. It's always good to bust out a protest joke now. These now. Wasn't even gonna say it. Wasn't even gonna say it. Was there any protest? Uh, no, yeah. that's why they crashed it. So that in case somebody protest. Yeah. Oh yeah. yeah. Well, yeah. Bronway, he came from like what? He was running back of the pack, and now he's running fifth. Like, what's up with that? What do you do? Like, is he just that good on that track, or what? Oh, uh, I mean, he's he's a good rider. I I mean, I think. I'm just I think he's a, he's better suited for a single, but uh, I'm not surprised he had a good result. I think it's his best result. So he's got a good team. He's got guys around his pit that know know how to set up a bike. And, yeah, he, he did well. Um, hopefully for him he can keep it rolling. I mean, it's a lot of guys that typically finish ahead of him were behind him. So we'll, we'll see how those guys rebound. I mean, it's like I said, Brandon got – Robinson got like 11th the second day, and Carver was like 10th or 11th the first day. And – um yeah it was kind of dude it was weird the the difference in levels from the front of the pack to the rear of the pack in both twins classes is like a huge gap like like briar's lapping guys two or three times in his main events we're lapping guys you know we're lapping four got like four or five guys in our main events you know the singles everyone in the main event is pretty competitive they're all fairly equal to an extent they're all kind of pack racing but for us man it's it's there's the speed gaps pretty pretty different i think so um you can kind of like predict at least like 
the first court, the first four or five guys in Super Twins, the next four or five guys. Like everyone races like the same four or five guys every race in Super Twins. Like you have those pack of guys. And then same with production twins, pretty much. I mean, guys qualify better in our class sometimes. Like, occasionally you'll have, like, a Jeremiah Duffy or I think Pat Buchanan even. Like, they'll sneak in and qualify really well, Nick Armstrong. And then, like, when it comes time to the, the race, there's the same four four or five guys. And, um, yeah, it's just – it's probably – and I, I see some stuff online. The fans are kind of getting bored with the, the twins class. So, um, but what are you going to do? I mean, the top guys are – putting the work in and it's paying off for them so maybe we'll see uh i don't know yeah a shake up in uh in texas, texas. I mean, yeah texas <laughs> texas cool texas well should well, we call bigelow give him a call let's, and let's get this it. party started carter give brian bigelow a call hello Ryan Bigelow, C-Tech, Sammy Sabedra, Tank Slapping. How are you, man? Good, man. What's up, dude? Just, uh, uh, just calling to wish you a happy birthday. Yeah, happy birthday, uh-huh. dude. The Big 40. Ooh. Is it? Dude, yeah, awesome. yeah. It's, a, it's a definitely a life-changing day here. So, Are we going to be seeing uh, any any 40-plus class uh, new entries in that class? Uh, maybe you never know. Probably on the ice for sure. Probably on the ice for sure. But yeah, I um, you know I see some of these forty plus classes at the dirt local dirt tracks, and those guys rip. So I'm a little bit scared to enter those those that class now. <laughs> I was gonna say, man, forty is like the new thirty, and even like the fifty plus class is pretty stacked. I mean, it, those guys haven't slowed down much. But dude, that's crazy to think about. Uh, I mean, I guess I'm getting old too, but. I was just telling the boys not not long ago we were all hanging and you were man you were probably I don't know you're probably still a teenager or maybe early twenties uh, when you used to hang around the shop here and stuff but um yeah I uh, I want to get into it man I mean kind of talk about your amateur days a bit um, you're very well known throughout like your amateur career you you won a lot of amateur nationals and. Um, a lot of amateur national wins. So talk about your amateur career and, you know, some of your achievements and guys you raced with and things like that. Yeah. So it, it started in, geez, 19, 1986. And I, I basically started on the ice up here in Northern Michigan. And, and one thing led to another and kind of, you know, went through the, uh, went through the ranks at, at about the same time as, um, like the Nikki Hayden, Paul Lynch, Kenny Coolbeth, J.R. Schnabel era. Um, so those were, those were my peers, um, at that time. Um, so the competition was very stout. So, um, went through the ranks with, with those guys basically from man, 85s all the way up to when we were riding, at the time, you know, the premier class was the we were riding 600 road taxes back then. 450s weren't uh, weren't around, so it's it's been a while. And uh, so those were the those were the days. You know, we raced uh, amateur nationals at you know in Henry, Illinois, where we run the uh, you know Peoria TT was was there, and I 96 Speedway here in Michigan. And uh, yeah, I won quite a few. And um, I think why I kind of climbed up the the list of of being so high on the list is because I actually did 
did the ice racing too, which that all counted. So <clears throat> kind of a, you know, I kind of cheated a little bit to get a few more, but, uh, so I did the ice race stuff and the flat track stuff. And, uh, yeah, we won, we won a lot and there was a lot of competition. Um, and yeah, just, uh, and all those guys I, I spoke of obviously were, ended up being very, very successful also. Yeah. You know, growing up man, in, in Michigan, you know, um, what were some of the tracks that, you know, made you who you were? I mean, obviously the ice riding, uh, honed a lot of, you know, your development, but what, what were like the local races for you guys? Was it district 14, right? Is Michigan, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, District 14 was huge uh, back then for me. So I-96 Speedway, uh, they had a really nice uh, car track, half mile. That uh, that basically that was, I guess, my hometown track, even though it was a couple hours away. Uh, and they had a really nice short track also. But um, that that got me to when I was, you know, maybe 13 or 14. And then um, my family and I started to go to Canada a lot, um, along with guys like like Kenny Coolbath and and Paul Lynch and so on. And, and we did that because over there, we, um, we could ride against, uh, we could ride on these cushion tracks on, on seven fifty. So I was riding a, a Harley Davidson XR 750 when I was shoot, you know, 14 years old or something over in Canada because of the way their, their, uh, their age limits worked. And you could race over there with, you know, some of my heroes like Steve Beatty and Chris Evans and, and, all, and, and guys like that. So, uh, it was a huge advantage to do that. And, um, I wasn't the only one, like I said, at the time to do that. And then when, when, um, when I was able to go, um, you know, what they call now the, the super twins, when I was able to go super twins racing, a lot of guys, when they get on one, they line up at, let's just say Lima, Ohio, and their first time riding a 750 or a twin is, is, is with all the big guys. Well, I was doing that for two or three years. So, um, so it was a big advantage for me in my career. So, I mean, you, you did well on a lot of different racetracks as far as I can remember. I mean, you were, you won short track nationals. You were really fast on the half miles, miles, TTs. Um, what, what, what racetracks did you dislike? Were there any that you didn't like going to? You didn't look forward to? I mean, seems like you did well on all different varieties. So was there, I mean, I, I don't like slippery car tracks, you know, like what, did, what was something you, I don't like Peoria. <laughs> what was something like you disliked? I mean, was there any, anything in, you know, particular or? So I'm going to contradict myself and said, you know, I grew up in Canada riding all these pea gravel tracks and so on. And I thought I really liked those in my career until I went big boy racing. And then the cushion tracks, I was out on those when I had a ride with the big guys. So I, I kind of liked the slippery car tracks. Um, um, it seemed like it took a little bit more finesse maybe. And then when on those tracks where you really had a, you know, had to really suck it up and, and get after it. If, if that racetrack was a track where you had to ride, you know, close to the fence, Brian Bigelow was out. He was out. He wasn't going to do that. Even when I was kind of young and dumb, I was out on that. And today, even more yet. <laughs> <laughs> hey, you know, I've talked about it before on this show, man. I don't know what it is uh, about Michigan. There's so many fast guys from that state. You know, I don't know what, what, the water, I don't know what it is, but growing up, man, uh, I mean, did you got, did you, who were like some of your Michigan idols growing up? I mean, there, there's so many to choose from, but there had to be somebody that you looked up to or maybe took you under their wing or, you know, whether, you know, a anybody? 
Yeah, so I mean, living in Michigan, I think especially in in, in well anything around my era, it was always your your Scott Parker and your Jay Springsteen. I mean, those guys are an hour from here. They're the baddest dudes ever to ride a flat track bike, and um, so it was really cool. So when I um, uh, yes, yeah, so I I grew up just huge fans of those guys, and I remember when it was time to get my my national number, and must have been at the end of '97 or something, and and Scott Parker called me, and he you know he was the champ at the time. So he just said, hey, man, I really want you to have number 11. That was my number. And I think he thought that I was going to, you know, do a little better than what I did in my career. But it was really meant a lot for a guy like that to say, dude, I want you to have number 11. Cause, so that, that meant a lot to me. It really did. So, um, I mean, I think most flat trackers in my day, <laughs> their their hero was either Scott Parker or Jay Springsteen. How could it not be, you know? Yeah, I mean – you're coming up through the ranks and those guys are your heroes and i remember you know when you were riding you were a rookie or whatever and you actually had the lineup in race parker then you had the race springer chris carr i mean what was what was that like and and who was like maybe the one guy like when you lined up to for the first time you, you were just like holy shit i'm i'm next to so and so i mean like growing up i never got the race parker or springer um I kind of raced Chris Carr a little bit on like some 100s and shit. So that wasn't like a surreal thing for me. But like, I think for me, it was like a George Roeder or, um, or like Rich King, like, like guys like that. It was like, holy shit, I'm racing like, you know, George Roeder on a cushion. This is terrifying. So, uh, who was, who was that guy for you where you're like, man, this is crazy. I'm lined up next to so-and-so. I got to experience and actually, um, appreciate it at the time, but we were at I-96 and, and it was, there was, um, you know, it, we ran scratch heats back then instead of qualifying. And in my scratch heat, I had, um, I had Scott Parker and Ricky Graham. It's like one of the few times I raced against him. And, um, that's when I knew like, this is, this is, this is something special. You know, I just remember watching those guys on, ESPN or NBC, whatever the heck it was back then. And, uh, those guys would just be dominant. You know, your Ricky Graham went in 10 races in a, in a season and his hundred mile an hour wheelies down the back straight away at Springfield. And it's like, Holy cow, dude, that's, that's him. That's the, that's the, that's the guy. So it was, awesome. I just, I don't know. It's, it, it's interesting. You know, 25 years later, I remember something like that. Oh, that's yeah. crazy. That's awesome. I didn't know you got yeah. the race Graham. Just a couple times. And it was, it was pretty, pretty amazing. That, that is that is uh i mean when you can line up with a with a legend you know we talk about the uh, mount rushmore dirt track and who belongs on it and, you know <laughs> names like parker and graham are definitely staples on, on that you didn't have parker sure. on yours what are you talking about I, they're still staples <laughs> on there i didn't All have right. parker no maybe I no didn't. you bagged parker dude. who'd i have i had kenny roberts yeah not parker you, were, you didn't have parker you said you were wrong uh, uh, he's he's throwing me out under the bus right now. Hey, I still I, I can't argue against Parker being on Mount Rushmore, of I'm course. But, <laughs> but uh, oh, damn. Yeah. <laughs> all right, all right. Now I'm gonna put I'm gonna put you on the spot. Now, who's on your Mount Rushmore of of flat track? I I mean it's it, it's the Parker, the Springer the Randy Goss and, and, the, and the Ricky Graham. If you want to look at that era, I mean, there's obviously guys today 
love him or hate him, you know, Jared Meese is going to go down and is one of the greatest guys of all time. He, he's that's 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 real. Um, but uh, but yeah, I would say that era is still is still my era, even though it was a little bit before my time when those guys were their most successful, the the prime of their career. But those guys are just they're 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 bad. They're badass. Well, I kind of wanted to talk a little about your your championship in the Super Tracker days and talk about that a little bit. Um, I was pretty young. I don't remember it too, too much. I mean, I was maybe 12 or so. I don't know, whatever. But, um, you know, you rode the, the 1200 Super Tracker class and you had, you know, Cop and Coolbeth and Hacker and all kinds of really fast guys in that class. It was pretty stacked and you won the championship in 2001. <laughs> Well, talk about that a little bit, how that came about and how, how riding, like I sat on that bike just recently and I, I was kind of nervous to sit on it. I'm like, man, I, this thing's probably going to feel so big and stupid. And I sat on it and I was like, man, this thing actually is pretty comfy. I, I think I can ride this. So, um, how was riding that thing? I, and how was that class? And, you know, it, it was, it was, it was so neat. I remember that like it was, it was yesterday. I was riding both classes, the super tracker class and, uh, and the super twins class. And, uh, obviously it was a motorcycle that your dad and your grandfather built with their bare hands. And, um, it was so cool. I think we won, I don't want to say all the half miles, but I think we won all the half miles, but the first one, cause the bike wasn't ready. So I we didn't race the first race and somewhere in Texas, I think in Baytown. And, um, and then we just came out to, I think it was Hagerstown was our first race. And we just, we smoked these guys. And, um, but what it was crazy. Cause I mean, I sat on it and it was a big power for motorcycle, 1200 cc's and it was so smooth and so easy to ride it was one of those bikes that <clears throat> that year i struggled on the on the xr750 a fair amount on a lot of tracks and i would get on your dad's bike and go out and just cut some crazy good lap times on this thing and be winning on it and um it was just such an odd it was so it was so interesting how that motorcycle fit me um <clears throat> we had our hands full on the miles with the suzuki's um you know but if, as far as just all, all out speed but that was one of the sweetest handling motorcycles ever and that was a really cool that was a really cool time in my life and you look back on it and your dad and your grandpa are are legends and um there's some really cool pictures of uh of my dad uh, your your dad and your grandfather and you and shana uh at hagerstown and you've shared it before on, on social media yep. so there's some really neat history there yeah it's pretty cool I, before you came on the show i i showed sammy i have a a Brian Bigelow plate actually in my office right here, and you made it out to me. I, I don't know, it, Progressive Insurance number eleven plate to Corey Brian Bigelow. So, still got the plate in the office, man. It's a uh, long, long, yeah, just go way back. It's just crazy to think about. But um, you never rode the eight eighty three class, did you? I don't remember. No, I never. I never did ride that class. Um, like I said, my support class was the was the super tracker deal. And I really, you know, I think there was big, um, big, big talk about that class, maybe, you know, becoming, uh, that was a stepping stone at the time, going to bring in some different equipment, uh, into flat track. And, and one thing led to another and it just, it just never, um, transpired. But for, for me personally, it was a really cool thing. And I got to meet a lot of cool people and do a lot of cool, uh, um, trade shows and stuff with your father and meet a lot of cool people. And like I said, man, it was, it was cool. It wasn't a championship in the super twins class but you know it was still a championship and it was it was it was, it was a lot of fun you, you know you talk about that motorcycle and you talk about you know you mentioned a road tax earlier i mean 
you know, you rode a lot of different motorcycles, you know, all through, throughout your whole life. If you could uh, go back and have a chance to ride any one of your old motorcycles one more time, oh, or what would it be? Definitely my dad's 600 Rotax. He had a 600 Rotax that was... You know, he probably, you know, could have put put a, a human being through college for what he spent on this thing, and it thing was sweet, super light, super fast. I won my first national at the Springfield Short Track on it, yeah, um, and that thing was just just unreal. And that was his little baby. He was kind of the Rotax guy. So my father and there's a um, an engine builder up here that now we're, does all the engines for Estison, uh, Mike Stoffer. My my dad and him would build this thing, and it was just the sweetest little rig ever and I got pictures in my shop and I see them every day. And I'm just, that's one motorcycle. I wish we would have hung on to. I got to ask you now, what happened to that thing? Do you know where it's at? So I think, um, my dad's going to listen to this and, and, and freak out. But I think, you know, uh, what happened was he spent this fortune on this thing. We, we did the Springfield short track and I won that. We did like the pure ATT that year. And I got maybe like a fifth, let's just say, and then the rule went to 500, and he sold all that, all that cylinder carb, all the, all the engine stuff, for pretty much pennies on the dollar with the rule change. And where it's at, God only knows. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's kind of crazy looking back. Everybody kind of just so quick to just change over their good 600 road taxes to 500s, and that only lasted for what a couple years. And then we all had to change them to 450s. And a 450 Rotex was a shit box compared to a, it seemed, for for, my, for my, mine was anyway, compared to a 450 kind of DTX bike or whatever. So, um, yeah, that's crazy to think about. Um, hell, Rotex, are, that's almost vintage. You can ride that in a vintage class now. It's crazy. Absolutely. But, I mean, it's anybody who had a chance to ride a sweet one back when was, those things were a treat. And there's, they would still be, there's, would still be can uh, you know very competitive today. I don't I don't know if they would be very cost effective to go racing, but they're a really a really fun motorcycle and I enjoyed it. Yeah, what did you um when you kind of things? I mean, when you were an expert, like I said, things kind of switched over. It was six hundred road taxes for like the singles, and then it was five hundreds, then it was framers, DTX bikes. Um, how did you like that transition between all the different um, kind of you know singles that you had to race in the pro ranks? It got tougher and tougher for me. So from the the 600 Rotex, I thought I was was really competitive on the 500 Rotex, very competitive on, and then I went to the 450 Framers, and I thought I was you know fairly decent on those. I've got a, I got a fair amount of podiums on on those, and when they went to the DTX bikes, Brian Bigelow's singles career plummeted drastically, and I just don't get why because I was young enough to accept those changes and that new modern uh, you know motorcycle. We rode them on the ice all winter um i loved i loved riding them enjoyed the heck out of it it just never uh you know then, then there was the time of the that was at the same era of the the henry wiles jake johnson jr schnabel dtx days and it was just an ass beating every week by those guys it was terrible so <laughs> <laughs> you, you know you, you you talk about um you know riding on the ice quite a bit and you, you mentioned you know you, you started racing on the ice uh, and, and, you know, we, we all know that you, you build ice tires and you do this and that, but can you explain a little bit of that? Cause not everybody lives in Michigan. You know, we got a lot of listeners that live, you know, in pretty fair weather parts of the country or around the world for that sake and have no idea 
about riding on ice or what it's like. Could, so from somebody with uh, your experience, could you tell our listeners a little bit about ice riding? It's, it's the ultimate equalizer. It's, um, it, it's easier than, than, than flat track, dirt track, for say, because you have these screws. They're not spikes. They're screws in the tires that, are, that give you a constant. So you have this constant amount of grip, whether you have really good tires that have excellent grip or you have mediocre tires that just have okay grip. It's, it's such a it, – to me, it's, a, it's the perfect place to learn how to flat track because th- there is a couple constants that you can control. The tires are, are 99% of ice racing. That being being said, that's why guys like myself is a perfect example. You know, Brian Smith and Henry Wilde and Jeffrey Carver can come up to my pond here at the house and they can ride and I can give them a decent set of tires and then I can have some, some super sweet ones and I can hang with them until I get tired. You know, it's, it's where if we went flat tracking, are, are you kidding me? I, I couldn't even do it. So the ice, the ice riding is so much fun because today guys like myself can still go ride with your heroes out there. The guys who are also ultimate competitive and it's such an equalizer. There's motocross guys, great motocross guys that, that are in Michigan here that, that ice race or ice ride for that matter. And, um, they can go out on the ice and give some of the best flat trackers, modern flat trackers, a fit on the ice. It's such an equalizer. It's uh, it's a ton of fun. When the track gets rough and rutted out, you just go plow another one on the lake, and, and there's no track prep. You can just go plow another one and go and go rut that track up. So um, when you live as far north as what we do in Michigan, I mean, not only do we love it, but there's literally nothing else to do. So that's what we do. Yeah, yeah. No, I think I think it's good for you guys for like TT, like for TT practice too. When you go out and you, you plow out a big uh, road course type track on a on the ice, you know, guys like Henry and um, guys like that have been able to kind of they've been able to use that for their TT training. I feel like too, it really teaches you how to be hard on the front brake and things like that. But for where we're at in Pennsylvania, we we plow ponds. Like we don't have lakes, so for ice riding here, it's not that fun. Like. Like I'm, when I go ice riding, they, they it's like a first or second gear pond, and we go around a circle, and I'm like, yeah, this isn't that cool, guys. And then uh, I see videos of, y- of y'all out in Michigan. You guys are on like ocean-sized lakes, <laughs> fucking fifth gear pin in the, you know, it looks awesome. Um, I just, yeah, it's there's definitely different levels to ice riding. <laughs> um, yeah. No, no doubt, no doubt, and there's all over the country guys do it different ways up in the Northern Division. Um, last winter, I had when Jeffrey Carver and I got together, he came up and spent a week up here and got to do some 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 I call it some real ice riding with some real hillbillies up north, and he just loved it the way the tracks and the tires. He's never rode anything like this before, and um, it was just it was so much fun to see him out of his element for you know the first two laps before he figured it out, and then it was <laughs> then it was awesome. So um, it, it was really cool. To see uh, him and wiles rode out here the one day actually for a couple days and it was just amazing to see those two out there on my pond that's 50 foot from my house just out there gouging on each other for a couple days it was pretty cool yeah they're they're two of the best ice riders that i've seen from video i mean there's so many good guys like you, you you've won a lot of ice racing national championships even even recently i mean you, you still get the job done craig pickett jared me i mean there's so many good guys that uh that get it on on the ice so uh, it's definitely fun no to watch, doubt. but we've had um we've had a I don't know how how many shows you listen to on on our on our podcast, but we've had uh quite a few guys on the show earlier on. Um, we would kind of ask them, you know, who did you 
who did you like racing with the most and who did you dislike racing with the most? And you got quite a few votes for the the most disliked to race with. So you I want a special to award a for redemption, man. Like, <laughs> why, why do you think uh, I forget who I think Paul Lynch uh, maybe was it a hacker or Murphy? I forget who it was, but they, they said, yeah, Bigelow was just tough to race against, man. He he was aggressive and didn't give you any room. So. I don't know, man. Chance for uh, rebuttal. I don't know. <laughs> what do you think that the reason for that is? And, and who did you dislike racing with? Uh, I would say they're 100% correct. You know, <laughs> back then I was, you know, it was a one-sided street with me. And I look back on those and those comments, as funny as they are today, you know, I look back on those and I'm like, man, I don't think I'd want to be raced that way. But yeah, I, it was definitely aggressive. I mean, most people know that I had to sit out a race or two for some, for some rough riding. And, you know, as much as we kind of maybe joke about it here, um, you know, not, 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 not the best. I mean, um, you know, some of the, some of the best racers that have ever been flat trackers, you know, they, they mainly weren't known as guys, as, as, as guys that roughed other riders up. So, um, yeah, I was very aggressive. Um, if I had to do it all over again, I'd do it over a little different. Um, so it's taken a long time for, for people to, um, you know, change their mind towards me, I guess, if you, if you will, but we all grow up, we all change. Um, but man, you know, when I was, when I was racing, um, the, the guy that I, the guy that I like feared the most at, at a lot of races was cool Beth. And it wasn't because of he was his aggressive style, just his ultimate flat out speed sometimes was stuff like we saw last weekend from Briar Bauman. Just, it was a race for a second sometimes. And it was just so frustrating. And, um, you know, I never really got a chance to rough him up cause he couldn't catch him. So, um, but they, you know, that was, that was the guy who was just to me, just at times had this speed that was, you know, not even human. Like, like, like I said, like we saw Briar last weekend, same thing. So, you know, the show's called tank slap and we like to talk about a little bit you know, off the cuff kind of stuff. And since we're talking about, you know, a uh, little rough riding, I don't care who you are. If you race motorcycles at some point in, in you know, in your career, whether you're a peewee rider or, or, you know, a super twins rider, someone's going to clean your clock and vice versa. There's going to be a time you totally take someone out. Is there any like time in your career that we're like, you can remember someone just totally taking you out. That was just like epic. Uh, unfortunately, no, I can't, but I mean, I can think of, you know, a handful where I was the, you know, that I wasn't the victim. So, uh, but no, I can't, I really can't. I mean, most guys raced me, you know, pretty darn clean. I, I wish there was some more drama I could, you know, I could, I could give you guys, but, um, you know, no, the answer is no. Um, it was, I, I raced a lot of respectful guys. I know what guys like you said, Johnny Murphy said that I was really tough to race with, but I don't know. I didn't think he was tough. It, it didn't, it didn't work the other way. You know, he was very respectful on the racetrack also. So yeah, I don't have a good story for you on that one, boys. <laughs> I'm trying to drag something out of you. Come on. Every racer's at least broke down. On the road. I know you got a good breakdown story. You've been stranded somewhere. Let's hear it. Well, I mean, like the, the stuff we laughed about for two years, and I know uh, Corey's a huge Henry Wiles fan lately. And uh, you know, so I started working for for you know for Henry a couple of years ago, and it was interesting. Like our first our first road trip together, heading to the races. You know, we we started talking about um, you know maybe the time when I snagged his handlebar down the back straightaway and put him on, put him on his ass. You know, just um, you know, and now I'm working for him, and it's just so many interesting things like that. Uh, 
I guess Henry and I were, we had a little bit, we both had bad attitudes when we were younger. Um, and, and some, some people maybe still think that we, we do, or one of us, one of us do still. So it's interesting how him and I were so competitive racing on the dirt and racing on the ice and in a few crashes between us, uh, that we were, we were both involved in and we definitely were never friends, you know, um, I don't say enemies, but definitely never friends. And, um, how I, you know, started working for him in 18 and, um, you know, him and I had a lot of success in 2018 doing a very simple privateer deal. And, um, you know, I, I got to know him differently than some people get to know him. And, uh, I, I changed my mind quick about him, you know, I mean, he's a, he's a tough competitor and he's, he's very strong minded, but you know, I would rather have him on my side than, than not on my side. Yeah, and stuff like that is is good for. I mean, it's good for the sport too. Like, not everybody's gonna be friends. I mean, you go out there and, you know, you both work all week long and you know your whole life to achieve a goal. And racers have strong personalities, so you you know you throw a jab, another racer throws one back, no one's gonna back down. So it's it's one of those deals, man. And I got nothing nothing but respect for Henry as far as a rider goes. That guy is a bad dude. So um, yeah, it's definitely it's definitely good for the sport and you know, coming up through the ranks, I just, I just remember, like, you were kind of had a lot of flair, man, like, you, you were one of the first guys to kind of put the point, the, what was it, the, like, little point on the back of your oh, helmet, helmet? I'm, yeah. I remember seeing you do it, I told my dad, I want a point on my helmet, Bigelow's got one, and, you know, you had Oakley deal when you were young, like, you just were, um, pretty, pretty, you had a lot of flair, man, so, um, I thought I, I thought I was going to be somebody. I thought I was going to win, you know, 50 nationals and multiple titles. And then all of a sudden you're 30, 32 years old and your career's done. And you're like, it wasn't quite what it was supposed to be. <laughs> what do you think? I mean, what, what was the difference maker for you? I mean, dude, you still had a really good career. I mean, I wouldn't sell yourself short. You, you won nationals. You, you had, you know, some really good results in the points. I mean, I know it wasn't what you, what you wanted, but you had, you know, a solid career, but what, what do you think you lacked where, um, other guys maybe like cool Beth or you know they picked up on was it like a good ride or you know what's the difference maker no i i think it's as simple as when i was when i was in that age so let's say 20 to 20 to 28 years old um i feel like i and this this sounds really vague but it's 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 the truth i don't feel like i took advantage of the opportunity that i had because i had the best opportunities um you know as a racer i never went without whether it was my family providing it or the uh you know the gardener racing crew and the texture family with all the stuff all the support we know so many racers are quick to blame equipment um no, I had great equipment. I had great teams. I feel like I was just maybe I was immature in my career. You know, I just, um, you know, I just didn't cease the opportunity. I maybe thought, heck, I'm going to be doing this forever. Well, the next thing you know, um, you know, you're you're pushing 30 years old, and and you can't hang with these kids anymore. And and you look, you know, just like everybody in life with anything, you look back on it, and most people in their lives would do things a little differently. I would definitely do things differently. Um, so I, I, I blame, I put all the, I put all the load on my shoulders on that one. Cause uh, you know, the equipment and uh, support was definitely not the issue. You know, with, with, with that being said, Brian, I, I got to ask you if you can go back and talk to an 18 year old Brian Bigelow, what advice would you give yourself? 
simple. Enjoy the moment because, you know, you don't know what tomorrow brings. I remember winning my first national and it was a triple header Springfield weekend. And all I could think about was, you know, winning the next day and winning the next day. And, and, you know, and then you win another one the next year and it was the same thing. And then maybe you don't win another one your whole career. So enjoy the moment. And I think, that it's well 40 years old now um i you know jeffrey carver reminds me of that same thing today you know uh enjoy the moment you know take a minute when you're sitting on pole at the springfield mile and look and look at look at where you're at but i still have that hard time enjoying the moment because i'm so intense and uh it's something that i think is 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 a is a is a is a good trait but i think it, it works against me a lot too uh I remember it two weeks ago at Springfield Mile, the first day we're running a distant third, and a third place for us is is a great a great day. And he crossed the finish line in third podium. That that's cool, Springfield Mile. And I literally just could not wait to go back to the pits, flip that bike upside down, change it all over, and I want to do over right now. And I can like tomorrow can't come fast enough. And Jeffrey's like, dude, relax, enjoy this for five minutes before you get back to work. So maybe a little too intense. Yeah, that's dude. That's good advice. I I can probably take that same advice, man. Just to enjoy it. Yeah, I mean, even in, like my career, I'm I'm 33. Yeah, I'm 33. Uh, I had to think about that. Uh, and yeah, it, it, happened, it, it happened so quick, man. And and a, a lot of respect to you too, man, for a lot of the stuff we talked about with like the the rivals and the rough riding. Like you owned everything. Like you know, you said, yeah, I was kind of tough to race with. So. Um, I think accountability is huge in this sport and I kind of preach that to a lot of the kids I help out and, um, taking accountability is the only way you can get better. And you've, you've definitely come a long way from a rookie Brian Bigelow in the sport from, from what I've heard. So uh, a lot of respect for that too. Cool. Yeah, I appreciate it. We all change, you know, well, we're all supposed to grow up and, and be, and be better. And I'd like, I'd like to think that I am. So, you know, what I'm doing today, it's just, it's, it's just a, it's just a, um, it, it's it's like it's literally giving back whether i'm helping henry or helping jeffrey or whatever i'm doing you know i feel like it's these guys if i can give them the opportunity that i had and they can they can they can grab a hold of it and run with it I, i'd like to think that i i could and can escalate their career so that's what i, I i'm that's what my goal is yeah we have um a final segment we do on the show but i want to ask you one more question um you know, you were part of the uh, rider, uh, the board group last year or the year before uh, alongside of me, and you always had really good input as far as like the growth of the sport and things like that. So what are your thoughts right now on the, the program in 2020? You know, there's a lot of changes and, you know, the super twins and timed races and, you know, the, the three classes we have. And what are your kind of thoughts on where the sport's at right now and the direction that it seems like it's going or headed towards? Yeah, so uh, it, simply put, I always try to I always try to look at look at everything as a whole, not what's best for Brian Bigelow or what Brian Bigelow has going on today. So I think it's good to look at it as as a whole. I, I think the production in twins class and the singles class, I, I love it. I love everything about it. I'm involved with the super twins class. Not super stoked on that class, whether it's the, um, I guess we'll call it the, the, the amount of money that it takes to compete in it, the, the so-called buy-in um, that it cost the teams prior to the season to, to compete in that class, 
um, rule changes uh, and so forth. Um, and I think it's not just not just myself that's not super stoked on it. Um, they're having a hard time, you know, filling that field every week of only what is it, eighteen guys or something. So if if what they were doing was as, as successful as what they think it is. I think they'd be turning guys away for the Springfield mile instead of begging guys to ride it. So do I have the fix? Absolutely not. But I am concerned a little bit of the super twins, the singles racing. Amazing. Absolutely amazing. I don't think anybody's going to disagree with that. Uh, production twins. I love everything about the racing has been good. I'm seeing different brands up there. Um, It's great. And I think it's, semi-affordable, a little bit concerned about the Harley out there maybe, but, um, you know, you know more about that than I do, Corey, but um, the Super Twins deal, um, it, 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 it definitely bothers me, and luckily I'm working on Indians, but the dominance of the Indian motorcycle is also, I think, a little bit, um, it's a little bit of an issue. I mean, don't do you agree, Corey? Uh, yeah, I do. I mean, it's um, everything you said I've agreed with. I mean, it's trying to get, I think, where we were going a few years back with uh, the different brands. And, I mean, I, I podium Springfield Mile on a bike that it was it might have cost me twelve grand to build. So, yeah, it's just not it's not at that anymore. And um, you, you talking about trying to fill the field at Springfield, yeah, they were calling people to uh, – to fill the 18 rider field at the Springfield mile. So it's, it's tough with the Indian, you know, being what 50 grand at least, um, before you build it up now and buy all the extras and, and the production, the Harley, I think is 36 grand, like basic 32 form. or something. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah. that's just like, as it comes. So you yeah. gotta, you gotta obviously get different wheels and things like that. So, um, yeah, I, I agree, man. I, I was just kind of curious on your thoughts there, and um, what are your thoughts as far as the uh, the timed races and all, like the four ro- the riders of the four rows and things like that. I mean, um, something to kind of stress about there, or are there bigger problems? Do you think than than stuff like that? The the way they grid the guys with the four guys on four rows, I believe, like to me that doesn't bother me, and and um, I only pretty much listen to you know what Jeffrey says, and he said nothing negative or positive. He's just said nothing, so to me it's a non-issue. Um, yeah. I'm not a huge fan of the timed half miles. Uh, I know Volusia uh, rounds one and two were. 36, 37, 38 laps or something like that. Tire wear was absolutely terrible, borderline dangerous in my opinion. Um, and then the then the other issue is, you know, um, so here's a – I'm going to contradict myself again. Um, so I'm the guy who works on this stuff. Um, so on the half miles with the the extra laps, um, the wear and tear on them is, is extremely higher. Um, and I don't think too many guys are going to argue that. So the Indian suffers from, um, it's got great reliability. It's a great motorcycle. Everybody knows that, but like the, like the first day, the oil temperature, it's a linear, it's a linear oil temperature. So the longer that thing runs, the hotter it gets. So they were already borderline getting too hot in a 25 lap race. So now it's, let's just say it's 35 laps. Um, the oil temperature just keeps rising and rising and rising. So there's more and more and more maintenance. And, you know, there's, it, there's not um, a, a, an abundance of extra funding this year. And with AFT cutting the purse 25% and the, the OEMs cutting, like Indian cut their contingency 25%, and we're, you know, more wear and tear on the motorcycles, it's hard for me to, to understand that. And 
agree with it. It's kind of in, in right with that comment is the Super Bowl thing at Springfield. It's more wear and tear. There's not a whole lot of incentive. I know it's a couple grand, but it's just we're riding $65,000 bikes, and we have three of them, and it's just it seems it seems very costly. Yeah, I um, was going to say, too, in the Super Twins, the main events, they're so long. Everybody, by the time y'all get spread out, there's the rate, like, it's, it just seems like they're 10 laps too long. I mean, it's like, at that point, I'm just, I'm, I'm hoping nobody breaks, like, not even like Briar, like anybody that I'm close with, but I don't want to see any mechanicals being that far apart with a few laps to go. Like even Jeffrey, like at Springfield, it's just, um, it just sucks. Like it's, it's a bad deal. And, um, if anything, I think you could give the singles probably, you know, the, 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 the longer laps or the, or the production class. Cause it seems like there's better racing. Whereas the, um, the super twins, they just get so far spread out. It's just kind of like, at that point, it's like hope, hoping just nothing, nothing mechanical happens to somebody to lose a seven second lead or something like that. Um, so I'd have to, that's really, to that's really that. not even a, an opinion. It's pretty much a fact. We all feel the same way across the board. Exactly what you said, Corey. So yeah. it's, um, it's 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 tough so um you know we'll get through 2020 here and 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 you know stay positive and not complain about all the rules like a lot of people just complain to complain i try to stay as positive as i can and and maybe they'll make some some changes maybe they'll look at all the information uh from 2020 and make some make some good changes um you know for the classes and the series as a whole once again it's it's a it's all about it's all well what's best for the sport and right now you know i think most fans agree the super twins racing is probably the least um exciting and it's supposed to be you know the super twins it's supposed to be the premier it's the last race of the night and you know your class in the in the singles class has been you know definitely more exciting so they've got some work to do and i'm sure they know this and um they don't need me to tell them that i'm not going to tell them so they'll, they'll figure it out <laughs> um for a mechanic, I just have a quick question too. Um, for like a mechanic, um, back to back to back to back weekends coming up, um, short weeks, different parts of the country. What do you do to your bikes to you know with these long main events and what like do you, you don't tear them apart every week and I mean on short, like do you tear them apart short weeks? I mean, is that something you you guys have to do on those bikes? Uh, is that kind of like um, insider info or like what what do you got to do maintenance wise? with back to back to back to back half miles coming up. Like, what do you, what do you do for something like that? There's probably so many tuners that are going to listen to this and roll their eyes, but you can ask Jeffrey or Henry who's here every other day. It's so every main event that, that these guys do. So this year, Jeffrey does. So I, I pull the engine out, split it and examine it nine times out of 10, Corey, the thing goes right back together. But, but I'm not going to travel from Michigan to Texas with, something that I hope's okay. So simply put, uh, Williams Grove, Saturday night, Jeffrey got second, plug into the bike, pull the data, the data looks great, load the stuff up, drive, Henry and I drove through the night to get home, drive through the night, get home, get everything washed up, shop all organized, Monday, which is today, engine out, split, do that instantly. So if I have to get parts, I have plenty of time and uh back together and then by wednesday morning it'll be on the dyno you know i'll run through all my diagnostic stuff make sure everything's legit and off we go so i did that same stuff with henry i just feel like if you don't do that 
there's time, there's time, there's time to do that. Even on a three or four day week, you can hustle and get this stuff done. Um, I just don't feel it's worth my time in life to drive across the country with something that I don't know is the best that I can do. Um, you can argue, well, you could make a mistake on in putting it together. Um, you could put in new parts that, that are defective. Those are all very accurate statements, but um, I feel like I'm just going to put my best foot forward every week. And um, that's what I, that's what I want to do. And, it's it worked in 2018 with Henry finishing second in the championship with no mechanicals, and this year we've had a couple interesting things happen, electrical issues and things. It's it's been it's been tough, but um, but I feel um, I feel like I'm I'm definitely not going to outsmart Dave Zanotti or Kenny Tolbert. So I just have to think in my own little brain in my own little shop in Northern Michigan that I'm just going to outwork them. And do I know that that's true? I don't know if that's true or not, but that's what I have to tell myself. So, um, I'm just going to make sure everything's as perfect as I can make it. You can't argue that that logic. You can't argue that logic at all. No, that's great mentality. I love that. I mean, that's, 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 that's any rider. That's all any rider can, uh, can want i mean just effort and that's that's incredible that's uh very interesting to hear um yeah good stuff man there's a lot of good stuff there i appreciate that um yeah last segment we do with the higher low line um kind of get into it uh i i don't know i guess this is still a viable question but uh bigger rival for you through the ranks jr schnabel or johnny murphy jr schnabel okay all right how about this? Um, Daytona short track, and I'm talking about Municipal Stadium or the Springfield short track? Springfield short track. <laughs> That's an easy one. He, would you win twice there? Yeah, got to have it. Springfield short track. When I go there every year, every year I pull into gate 11, and I just I got to live in my own little moment for a minute and just think about how sweet that night was. So, yep, Springfield short track. That's awesome. Uh, I was so this one I had who's who's better on the ice Pickett or Meese but I'll just like who's the who's the top dog on the ice like who's the ice legend so if flat ass speed if we were all on same equipment um, I'm gonna get I'm gonna get in trouble for this but from Jared I'm sure I'm gonna hear about it but Henry Wiles is the most amazing thing you've ever seen on the ice on a road course flat ass amazing when he comes here and rides i ride with him for 10 minutes and i pull off and just watch the rest of it because it's just it's so awesome and it's for an hour at a time it is legit dude not surprised uh, all right how about this one uh it, it, well, i'm just gonna make it a national you gotta flag it or you gotta announce it Man, probably flag it. Stuff that comes out of my mouth is in this is never. It's it's usually not good. So I would say definitely flag it. <laughs> <laughs> I like that one, dude. That's good. I probably you don't have to do anything when you flag. That's easy money. Is the is the paycheck the same? I don't. You, yeah, I don't. I I don't know. I don't know if you were asking me. I don't know that. But like I said, it's just if. If there was people that were on the fence, if they were pro Brian Bigelow or against Brian Bigelow, they would probably be against him then. So I'll flag it. (laughs) (laughs) All right. I got one for you. Um, Michigan music legends. You going Kid Rock or Eminem? Kid Rock. (laughs) Easy. All right. All right. Here we go. Leathers. I I, I think you wore both. One's from Michigan. You wearing D's leathers or NJK? 
NJK at the at the end of my career, but you know if you when I started uh, rookie year or whatnot, um, all of us, all of us, Scotty Parker, everybody had these leathers, and those things were legendary, man. So did you ever have those, Corey? Oh yeah, I got one set of these leathers, and uh, they're up on my garage wall. I actually got to stay with her um, last fall. We went to uh, Key West for a. Uh, a bicycle ride and we got to sit down and, and and visit visit her dude she is like we gotta have her on the pod bro she's actually really entertaining she's quite the quite the person man yeah these leathers are legendary that's that's a good Le- one legendary. Um, she, she's 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 an awesome person awesome yeah go ahead sammy I just got to give a little shout out to D and Sideburn because in in the latest issue of Sideburn they did a pretty sweet article on D with a bunch of like bad old school pictures and when I say bad I mean like badass you know so oh, right. yeah if you guys got to pick it. up the latest Sideburn and check that it out today. it's pretty Mail. cool cool um, one more man uh, Michigan legend top dog who is it Parker or Springer. Oh geez, it, it, you know what? I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna say Springer. I'm gonna say Springer. I'm I'm gonna go with it, and, and mainly I mean, because not not just because of his accomplishments, but you know what? Just who the guy is as a personality and his attitude, and we share a lot of the hunting and fishing uh, of things. We we share things in common. Um, so you want to know what? I'm gonna say Springer, and I'm gonna I'm, I'm not even gonna be remorseful on that. Icon, like you you go out you go out to a bar. At, Springer's probably getting he's getting pointed out more than Scotty and that's like saying something that guy's a legend I want to have him on the show are, are you buds with Springer you guys chat at all uh, not a ton, you know, a couple times a year, I, I, I see him wherever and, and it's, and if we talk about racing for 10 seconds and we talk about, uh, we, we lie each other, uh, lie to each other about fishing, uh, for the, for the next hour. So, uh, so, um, but yeah, yeah, those guys are, yeah, those guys are amazing. Just amazing human beings. Yeah, that's awesome. Well, dude, we appreciate you for coming on. Tell your parents I said hi. It's been a long time, and um, just uh, appreciate all the uh, all the stories and all the info you gave, man. That was a really good interview. We appreciate it. Yeah, I had a great time being on, and, and Corey, you know, it's like, a, you know, I, I think, it, you, you know, you and your family all the time, there's pictures of, of, of me riding your dad's bikes, Lancaster, Harley-Davidson leathers for many, many, many years, um, so it's it just, it's it's always really, you know, it's always really cool, I think of your dad and your grandpa all the time, there's usually some cool stuff that pops up on Facebook that always makes me think, and uh, yeah, I had some cool times hanging out in Willow Street, Pennsylvania with you guys, so uh, it's pretty cool to see, you know, you, you and your sister's career, um, you know, escalate also. So uh, yeah, it's it's uh, it's pretty awesome, and I appreciate you guys having me on and and keeping me uh, keeping me in the light, man. And with that, I guess we'll say happy birthday. Yeah, happy fortieth, bro. <laughs> yeah, man. You know, it's a milestone birthday, and he's on tank slapping. One for the books. One for the books. <laughs> One. <laughs> thanks a ton, guys. Yeah, thanks, Biggs. We'll see you in Texas, man. You got her. Take care, fellas. All see right, you. later, man. See ya. <laughs> Brian Big, Bigelow. Oh, Bigelow. Yeah, hell yeah. Dude, that was that, awesome. That, that was, was so you good. Know, he's somebody I, I've slowly gained a lot of respect for over time, you know. Um, you know, like I said, he's really matured. He's really come a long way. And uh, I think that was evident in, in the things he said and the way he said them. So um, yeah, I enjoy yeah. We talk every weekend a little bit, you know, at the races. And uh, I enjoy, you know, talking to him. And, you know, we, we spit things back and forth a little bit. So, uh, yeah, uh, good dude. 
Yeah, I got a lot of respect for Brian. I mean, I know he's buds with Henry, but now nah, I'm just messing here. <laughs> uh, a lot of I have a lot of respect for Henry too. I know we've been throwing jabs here and there, but yeah, a lot of respect for that guy. I, he's a he's a, a, a phenomenal rider. I've I've never ever that that, that I remember have questioned that dude can ride a bike. So um, yeah, a lot of respect for uh, Brian. Man, there's some good stuff he brought up. That was awesome. Just uh, some of the technical stuff. Just tearing down an engine, like tearing it down every week to, to the the cases like that's I like it. I like as a it. rider man it's it's all all you just putting in that effort is all anybody can ask for i mean it's um you know mechanicals things happen but you're putting in the effort there's no regrets i mean you you did what you can do um so that's kind of for me i mean i put in the work during the week i do all i can you do the training you do you know you eat right you, you do everything you can you know and um at the end of the day win lose fifth 10th last place there's no regrets for for me when i know i'm putting in the effort um and it's just one of them things you can sleep better at night knowing so um i, I liked his quote on i'm gonna try and not work them guys and uh, that's that's i love that that was awesome yeah that was something i definitely learned from uh kind of my mentor and slash father figure eddie atkins you know one of his favorite sayings was you know it's not that i'm an extravagant man it's just i can't afford to cut corners and that's absolutely dead on nuts the truth. Yep. Yeah. Um, well, let's uh, let's shout out the sponsors and then we'll wrap it up here. But definitely want to thank the the sponsors that make it happen. Bell Power Sports once again. Check out bellhelmets.com. Roof Systems of Dallas, Texas. CommercialRoofSystems.net. Jerry Stinchfield, we appreciate your support. Dunlop Tire, the new DT4 flat track tire. Check out DunlopMotorcycleTires.com. To find your nearest nearest dealer, Moto America. We mentioned that the Barber Motorsports Park round of the Moto America series is this weekend. Tickets for it can be found on MotoAmerica.com. And make sure you catch the action on Fox Sports Saturday and Sunday and Supersport Class on Map TV. And as well as uh, Eurosport, you can watch that live uh, in 54 countries around the world. So overseas listeners, you want to watch the Moto America series, um, tune in and uh and check that out. There's definitely some overseas guys that go really good in, in, in our series, so, um, in the Moto America series. And then the, the Crowd Race series, I uh, wanted to shout them out as well. They're over the pond putting on events in Germany. The next round is this weekend. It's their half mile in Parcham. So um, for that information, you can visit crowdrace.de, K-R-O-W-D race.de, and Instagram Crowd Race with a K, and they, they put up a lot of cool content. They have newbie, mini bike, Supergirl, Pro, Vintage, Hooligan, all kinds of classes. That's over in Germany. So check them out. And then uh, after this weekend, they have another race in on uh, September 26th, 27th in North Hatst. North Hatst. Um, um, Sammy, yeah, race calendar. Kind of, yeah, race calendar. But on, on that crowd race, uh, those tracks they have in Germany, man, if you follow them on Instagram or Facebook, uh, I'm kind of jealous. Those tracks look sweet. So um, they're, they're even just – they're a lot of fun to look at. I can imagine how fun they are to ride. So check them out on Instagram and Facebook. And then, like Corey said, uh, race calendar. Uh, we got a few races coming up this weekend. Uh, Triangle Motorcycle Club in Ohio on September 19th and 20, uh, 20th. That's in Harpster, Ohio. Uh, they're having a Saturday night short track and a Sunday half mile. On Sunday, they're uh, doing something special for the kids with a with a free Strider uh, bike race. 
uh, ages three to six. And, uh, you know, as always, that club uh, practices proper social distancing. And you can get all that info uh, on Facebook at Ohio Flat Track Sports Center. So they're on Facebook. And um, we also wanted to shout out the Chris Kleinfelder Memorial Race this weekend, this Saturday, that I'm actually going to be at. I'm going to be attending. Uh, it's at Cove View Speedway. Cove, C-O-V-E, Cove View Speedway. Um, if you want more information on that event, hit me up. I'd be glad to point you in the right direction. Come out, come race, come watch. It's in memory of a really, really good friend of mine who passed away in a car accident a few years back, Chris Kleinfelder. One of the coolest guys I've ever got the pleasure of being friends with. Uh, Mike Poe is putting that race on. You can hit him up on social media or uh, visit 83 Promotions. Um, get that information on Facebook. But a really cool racetrack. I know Paul Lynch is coming out of retirement. Evan Bear is coming out of retirement. There's like a bunch of guys that are coming out. Uh, Jake Johnson, I heard, might make Ooh. an appearance. I don't know. I was trying to trying to hijack his ride for the race, and he's like, well, I might be coming. So I was like, all right, bro, whatever. <laughs> Asshole. <laughs> so, be, uh, it's going to be good. It's going to be good. I know everybody that rode there in the past in the past says they love that place. And then, you know, to, to have a, a special race in Chris's, uh, you know, memory uh, is going to make that even so much better. So I, I know uh, – I'll probably be there myself, uh, just spectating. Guess who else is coming? Who else and is riding. coming? And riding. His name and rhymes with Soa. No. <laughs> Noah? Chambers chimes in, baby. Chambers? That's what he, that's what he says. He's, he making says he's, a, he's making a comeback? He's making a flat track comeback. He, he wishes it was a TT, but, uh, yeah, that's what he says. I'm going to be uh, – I'm going – going on a, a, a ride bicycles tomorrow a little bit so I'll, I'll get the in the insight i told him he could ride my bike but he doesn't like framers so um so we'll find something for him to ride but yeah that's what he says man so if, if you want to meet the famous noah chambers he'll be at cove view speedway this saturday so that's come awesome. uh come get his autograph <laughs> uh yeah i don't think i have much more man i nothing else really going on i got uh Travis Horn's with me this this these next two weeks. He, uh, young amateur racer from California. He won the Youth Rider of the Year award last year, and he's out here training with me. It's kind of crazy. His parents trust him. Trust me to watch watch him for two weeks. <laughs> so, um, so I got Travis out That's here. Scary. Just, yeah, yeah, dude. It's kind of cool because he kind of him and Cruz are like buds, so they kind of <laughs> occupy each other. But yeah, Travis is a really good kid, and just uh, helping him uh, like get his mindset right for for like how. What he has to look forward to in the pro ranks is the training and the nutrition and um, the preparation and stuff I go through. Is He just, just teaching him a little bit, you know, like five cookies at night, donuts in the morning, you know, land shark, obviously. Yeah, he's teaching him how to mow the lawn. Yeah. I actually have to mow tomorrow. Yeah, yeah. I was going to say, uh, you know, he can't have any land shark, but, you know, he, he can see, like, the ratio for when he's you know, able to. But, um yeah, mow the grass, dude. That's that's what I gotta do tomorrow. I'm I'm like not looking forward to that at all. That's a big job. So maybe I'll pawn that off on him. He's twelve. I that's probably old enough to mow the grass. I mean That's perfect. That's perfect age right there. You can tell him it takes three land sharks to mow the grass. By the time you're done with three, he should be done. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's probably that's probably a good a good guesstimate, honestly. But I have these light poles at the end of my driveway and I've clobbered them like twice with the lawnmower where I've had to replace them. So I can't imagine letting him mow the grass. Like my mailbox will be gone. Like, like zero. Like I li like I'm on a hill kind of. So when you go up and, and down on the a hill, major road too. Yeah, and a major road. So it's kind of yeah, yeah. The throttle <laughs> sticks. He's on. 
middle of 222, but uh, yeah, yeah, big Mo job tomorrow. It's just not pumped, but um, yeah, we uh, we appreciate you guys that that we 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 had another winner for the the shout out. We uh, we got a couple reviews, so um, All right. the, the the first person that won, uh, let me check the name, but I I'm sending him a a bell long sleeve t-shirt that we had so shout out to bell power sports for supplying some of the giveaway stuff and then somebody else they it was like 10 minutes after him they sent they uh sent a review and and gave me their address so i'm going to send that person some decals but uh aaron mullins is the as uh, the winner of the long sleeve shirt man he got back to me really quick so yeah it's going in the mail tomorrow dude i had a busy weekend but uh it's going in the mail tomorrow and then dylan meissner is the uh the guy that literally right after him man so um listen to our show right away you never know what you can win and we'll do it again first person send us uh listen to the show leave a review on itunes and and send me uh send me the uh, screenshot along with your address and we'll send you some bell helmets i'm not going to use the word swag because that's the stupidest word ever for um shirts and hats just we're going to give you some bell apparel um i have some law some hoodies and some long sleeve shirts, depending on what size you are. Um, give me your size, and I'll let you know what you want. So, yeah, another giveaway. But um, yeah, thanks to Bell Helmets for for that as well. Yeah, that's really cool, them. Uh, you know, hooking us up and allowing us to hook up some of our listeners. That's really cool. Well, Corey, shout out, boys. Uh, that's all. Yeah, that's it. We're uh, episode three two. <laughs> Done. Done, baby. I'm gonna go. Uh, Disney Plus just uh, released some new shows, so I'm gonna go see what uh, what's on Disney Plus, dude. Are you a fan or? <laughs> I, uh, every time Mighty I see Ducks. Mom, <laughs> what's that? Mighty Ducks, dude. Mighty Ducks, yeah, I love Mighty Ducks. You know, actually, I ain't not gonna lie, man. One of my all-time favorite movies is a Disney movie. I'm gonna leave you guys hanging on that. Maybe we'll talk about it on the next show. Ooh. Legitly, legitly, one of my favorite movies is a Disney movie. Dude, eight of my top ten favorite movies are Disney movies. <laughs> Big Disney Plus fan. Shout out to Julian Sparachino for um, letting me mooch his Disney Plus account and his NBC Gold account because uh, I watch the the races after we're done. Um, I just I don't buy any like streaming stuff. I just mooch off Julian. So. Um, at surly pirate i'll give you an instagram shout out uh for, for uh, hooking me up that's my bro but yeah that's all we got guys yeah you well, at the beginning of the show you thought Corey was kidding about being tight and driving a mile to save two cents on gas he, he's not kidding <laughs> you know it's not i'm not i just can't I do know. it it's, yeah, it's so yeah. good <laughs> flat track racer in me but all right guys that's all we got appreciate you peace see ya